You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Director of Communications for the Coca-Cola Company, Ray Crockett APR, goes on the record online. We look at ourselves as a multinational company. Um, certainly there are people who would you know, choose to use our name. We are the most prominent brand in the world. Who would you choose to use our name for their own ends? But in the end, we, we're bottling pleasure. We're, we're giving people a little pleasure in their lives, a little refreshment, and we're going to continue to do that. And thank you for joining us for this episode of On the Record Online, recorded at the PRSA International Conference 2007 in Philadelphia. This is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. We do in-depth interviews with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as from time to time, discussions with bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. My name is Eric Schwartzman. I am the managing director of Los Angeles-based boutique PR firm Schwartzman & Associates. We specialize in entertainment, media, and technology. I am also the chairman and founder of iPressroom Corporation, uh, which helps organizations uh, maximize the effectiveness and uh, reach of their marketing and PR campaigns online using the latest new media tools and services integrated into one powerful online dashboard. Um, Today we have a one-on-one interview with Ray Crockett. He is the Director of Communications for Coca-Cola, and he acts as the Chief Spokesman for the company. He was here at the conference discussing collaborating to influence change, um, along with some others, uh, about his award-winning case study for promoting Internet safety to teens in Georgia. Um, Given the prominence of the Coca-Cola brand, and its recognizability. Uh, it was an honor to get a chance to speak with him, uh, and I did so for about 20 minutes. And that interview comes to you entirely unedited after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Ray Crockett, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. So... We, we're living in an age where audiences are fragmenting and it's more difficult than ever to reach a wide variety of consumers through any one single media channel. How is that changing the way uh, Coca-Cola gets its story out? Well, I think like anybody else in the business, it's made it more complex. I, I've been in this business for a long time and when I started, we mainly were concerned about print media and newspapers, and sometimes we worried about broadcast media. Now, as you've indicated, there's there's so many different media that we have to be aware of. Um, we have to be able to manage communications through blogs, through websites, through a, a, a wide variety of media, and it's made the job more complex and more challenging. 
And, and do all those new responsibilities fall under your umbrella? Well, we, we take a collaborative approach at Coca-Cola. We have our public affairs people and public relations people who handle uh, communications, but we also have a group of interactive communicators. So we work together on messaging and media and deciding how, how best to get our message across. Give us a, a day in the life as, as director of communications at the Coca-Cola Company. Um, well, the day uh, almost always involves a lot of meetings like everybody else. I spend a lot of time working with our marketing people because my primary job is to support our brands. Uh, from time to time, we will have an issue that we need to work on. It could be uh, a variety of issues. For example, in Atlanta right now, as you may have read, Atlanta is in a drought, con drought condition, and uh, we're facing a shortage of water. So naturally, as a company that depends heavily on water for our products, we're giving a lot of thought to how we're going to deal with that. Tell me about how social media is changing your job. I mean, are you being forced to actually look at every single blog that mentions the Coca-Cola company or its brands? And if so... How do you possibly do all that? Well, well, we don't. We we ask. We have third-party people that we ask to help us with that and to monitor uh, social media and to help us figure out how to best to approach those. Do you think it makes sense for communications to be in charge of social media outreach, or should this be handled by a separate interactive unit or a new media unit? Well, I think it makes sense to use the collaborative approach I described earlier because uh, we have professional communicators who are, are good at messaging and sorting out how to target messages to specific consumers, and we have people who are best suited to, uh, to manage the technology. And so when we work together, I think we do our best work. During your tenure at the Coca-Cola Company, and you've, you've been there for how long? Eight years. What is the single greatest challenge you've been faced with? I think the single challenge that we're faced with is the, um, the, the change in the way um, consumers are, are um, approaching our products. Um, years ago, we had one product in the Coca-Cola company. It was brand Coca-Cola. Now we have more than 400 brands across the world that we manage. So it's, it's made it more complex, getting back to my message earlier. Um, we've seen much more of a trend toward um, the non-carbonated side, the still beverage side, the waters, the teas, the coffees. We're, in, in the end, we're a consumer company. We listen to consumers. The challenge is to listen to consumers and uh, try to figure out what consumers want actually before they want it. Separating it from the business of selling beverages, just looking at it straight PR, straight communications, what are you most proud of that you've contributed to the company in the eight years you've been there? Well, it's, it's hard to sort out individual contributions because we really do spend a lot of time with, on a team approach. I think what I'm proudest of about the approach our company has taken is that we have stepped up in the areas that not only affect us the most, but affect the communities in which we operate. We call it sustainable communities. And of course, a big part of that is water. And the Coca-Cola company has taken a, a very uh, proactive position on 
sustaining water supplies, quality water, getting water to people who need it. And that's across the globe, both in North America and in other parts of the world. So I, I guess I would say that the pr I'm proudest of the contribution I've made as part of a team on how the Coca-Cola company is responding to communities and responding to our environment. Now, I know you mentioned to me you're not directly responsible for the sparkling beverages. Yours is you work on the still beverages. Yeah. But um, obviously, you know, there have been a number of health advocates who have come out and said that uh, soft drinks, carbonated beverages are unhealthy. Um, how does the Coca-Cola company, just generally speaking, respond to these types of claims? I think there's a lot of, of misinformation out there or misinterpretation, perhaps. Um, there's nothing that indicates that a sparkling beverage, a carbonated beverage, is any different than a still beverage. Um, all beverages, we believe, are hydrating. All beverages in moderation can fit into a diet. And that's, you know, kind of the way we, we advance our message. What about these, uh, there are a number of uh, products out there that are very high uh, caffeinated drinks. Mm -hmm. And I actually was watching television uh, last night here in the hotel. And uh, there was a story about, um, it was, you know what it was? It was PBS. It was uh, David Broadcaccio's Now. And it was about um, tensions between... Uh, uh, Latin Americans in a particular part of the country who were didn't uh, who were day laborers, and they were saying that uh, you know a lot of the um, lower income communities are really depending on these these uh, high um, uh, caffeine drinks just to work two jobs and to be able to you know afford to you know pay the rent. I mean, I, I know that you know this is not your product specifically, but given your perspective and your experience. If it was your your product and you were you and a story like this appeared on the news, what would you do? Well, I'm not familiar with with that particular story. Um, we uh, are moving in our products that have caffeine. We're moving toward a labeling process that would identify exactly how much caffeine is in each product. In the end, we believe it's up to the consumer to make the decision on what they consume, and so. Uh, we're going to try to give them that information, let them make their own decision. That's true of caffeinated beverages. It's true of juices. It's true of, of any beverage. So now, Coca-Cola's heritage is synonymous with the American way of life. That's how we consider the brand. Um, at this time of war, and I know you're, you, you work in North America, but uh, given your perspective and, and the teams that you are involved with, at this time of war, how is the, this perception... Um, complicated Coca-Cola's international PR efforts. Well, it's interesting you would say that because while Coca-Cola was certainly in, invented in the United States 121 years ago, we're an international company. 80% of our revenues come from overseas. And in almost every part of the world, um, the people who actually bottle our products are local businessmen and entrepreneurs who, who do that on local level. They buy local ingredients, etc. So we're, we, we look at ourselves as a multinational company. Um, certainly there are people who would, you know, choose to use our name. We are the most prominent brand in the world. Who would you choose to use our name for their own ends? But in the end, we, we're bottling pleasure. We're, we're giving people a little pleasure in their lives, a little refreshment, and we're going to continue to do that. So, I mean, do you have any – you have research or – I mean – how do most people perceive the brand? Do most people perceive it as American or no? 
I, I think most people perceive it as as being um, uh, a part of their culture. For example, um, uh, Mexico has ha, consumes more coke per capita than anywhere in the world, and they they view that as their 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 home brand. We're viewed that way in a lot of countries in the world. I think it's it's only when you see people with an agenda where it you know they tag it as an american brand we're we're international i don't know if you do disclose this but i, I would be curious to know if you did um tell you, you the see, secret formula sorry i'd have to shoot you if i did do you see any 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 broader trends behind um uh still beverages versus sparkling beverages internationally do, do are some hotter in in some countries than others i mean could you draw a any 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 sort of general uh, observations uh, from that con- those consumption patterns. I don't have that data um, at my beck and call right now, but um, I, I mean there are. Uh, we are fundamentally a company that that provides consumers products that they like where they like it. So, if for example, if you go to um, the east, you will find that teas are very popular, and we have a lot of tea products there. So it's, it's, it's simply a matter of understanding what the consumer wants, trying to meet that needs. As I said, we have 400 brands, and we, we, we serve in 200 countries. So we've getting, gotten pretty good at, at helping, helping people, finding out what, what people are looking for and providing it to them. I uh, represented a television show that was hosted by an African-American personality. Mm-hmm. And, the Af- and the television show... Uh, had an advertising agreement with Coca-Cola Company, and the Coca-Cola Company agreed to commit five years or three years worth of advertising to this particular program. And I remember I wrote the press release, and I distributed it to the uh, business trade media that would cover it. And uh, the angle that they took on it uh, was motivated by the controversy surrounding African-American employees accusing management of a glass ceiling on racial grounds. Mm What what happened, and and how did you deal with it as a communicator, and what broader lessons did you draw from it that we could all apply to the business of communications? Well, I can't speak to it much because it happened before I joined the company, and as you noted, there there were lawsuits filed. I can tell you that the company has um, made enormous strides in diversity to the point that we have been featured on the cover of Diversity Inc for being a model company for diversity. I can tell you no other company that I've ever worked with or for spends as much time um, trying to ensure that we are a diverse company. And it's really, it's a people thing and it's a business thing. We have to be as diverse as the consumers who buy our products. So we have to have people working for us who understand those consumers. So it only makes sense to be a diverse company and, and we, are are well on our way to do Were you that. here We're at not the conference there. last year in Salt Lake uh, City? Last year, the former president, outgoing president, was Cheryl Proctor Rogers, mm-hmm. African-American woman. Mm-hmm. And I remember in general session, she gave her keynote. Uh, and the, the her, her uh, what she talked about was she said, look, if you're in the communications business and you surround yourself with people who share your ideas and, and, and background and perspective, 
you're only going to be effective communicating to those people. Right. So you're actually smarter surrounding yourself with uh, you know, disparate perspectives, different backgrounds, so that you can communicate to a broader audience. It was actually, I thought, uh, very well said. I couldn't agree more. And so w- are you actually working like with multicultural teams to try to get the word out to different audiences? We, we have, um, just in communications, we have a group of people who focuses on, on multicultural communications. But we also have people in marketing who are focused on that. And we have a company that's focused on that. I mean, we, as I said, it, it makes good sense, good business for us to pay attention to that. Because we have, for example, um, as I mentioned, uh, Mexico has a higher per capita consumption of Coke than any other country. So we naturally would be inclined to pay attention to Hispanics because they are inclined to drink our products. So, yes, multicultural communications, both in a marketing and a public relations sense, are something we spend a lot of time on. Ray, um, you have a job that a lot of people in public relations would like to have. Um, What advice or words of wisdom do you have to um, uh, people that are just getting out of college and looking to get started in PR? Mm -hmm. What does it take to get where you are today? Well, we have uh, we have a very experienced team uh, of people at Coca-Cola. I would say the average is 15 years or more in public relations. So, the first answer to your question is be patient, work hard, um, get a broad, uh, diverse range of experience. Uh, I spent a lot of my career in the United States Air Force and wor- and worked internationally, so I had an understanding of of what it takes to communicate internationally and initially my job with the the company was in international communications with the Minute Maid company. So I think that's important. Uh, build your experience, build your portfolio, um, and, uh, and, and just, you know, persevere because, you know, a gr- you're right. A, my job is great and a lot of people would love to have my job. I'm I'm glad I have it. I'm going to sneak one more question in. You, you, you hire people, i got to think, right? From time to time. Yeah. Okay, so what traits, what character traits do you look for? What are, what's most important to you when you're making a hiring decision? Um, I don't know if I could point to one thing that's most important. We look for people who will fit into our culture. We look for people who are smart, who are experienced and accomplished, who have a record of accomplishment. And um, we, we spend a lot of time interviewing and, and deliberating before we hire people. It's a, we spend a lot of time on that. Ray Crockett, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.